All right. So, you know, again, let me let me say how honored I am to uh, be on this call. Um, I really appreciate uh, the congressman. Mr. Steele and I are old presentation buddies. This is our stick. We kind of do this stick uh, uh, together. So I appreciate it. It's good to be with you again. Um, real quick, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about some of the economic impacts that we see coming down the road from the COVID-19 uh, crisis and uh, Black people in particular. You know, as Dr. Steele uh, and as Brady uh, uh, indicated, you know, I'm not really going to pull any punches here. Uh, yeah, I'm just the numbers guy. I'm just the numbers guy, so don't blame me for the numbers. They are what they are. But I do think that, you know, this will appear to be pretty strong and pretty negative and pretty hopeless. But let me, just running through the numbers, but let me say this. I do think there's an opportunity here to actually create a better situation for Black people than the one that we came into this crisis with. There is that potential. There's $30 billion for minority depository institutions that's been allocated out of the Rescue Act funds. So you could see a revitalization of Black banks. You could see a revitalization of Black uh, fintech companies, that sort of thing. Hard to do, hard to do, but that is a potential uh, outcome that would be better than the situation that we came into. So, um, you know, one of the things Keevan asked me to do was to go over our survey. So we surveyed black companies with respect to the rescue funds that had been allocated. Uh, the uh, Paycheck Protection Program and the Economic Impact Disaster Loan uh, uh, Program, both out of SBA. And we asked uh, four questions. Uh, we asked uh, these firms if they had received or if they had applied for, if they had applied for the Paycheck Protection Program funding, 64% uh, of the firms, and there, there were basically about 100 firms that answered our survey. So 64% um, of that 100 uh, did apply, 35 or 35% did not. And then looking at uh, whether or not they actually received funding, 19% uh, of the survey respondents, not the applicants, 19% of the, the survey respondents got funding, 81% did not. Now, what's important here is that those numbers are better than popular opinion would lead you to believe. The caveat is, and again, talking to my interns, be prepared to go over this survey and go over these numbers. Uh, the issue is, is that the 19% got far less than they asked for or expected. The 19% got far less than they asked for or expected. Now that was, again, uh, as Dr. Steele pointed out, none of this stuff is an accident. Uh, this is a continuation of historical patterns with respect to biases in the allocation of economic resources that is particularly critical now. Oh, uh, let me also say this. One of the reasons why we are optimistic about the ability of this crisis to generate new hope is because we believe that this crisis will lead to a complete reevaluation of economic thought and economic theory. If you think one of the reasons why we think that is because, I mean, let's take a look at the situation. So uh, one of the key uh, caveats, one of the key beliefs 
in economic theory is that globalization works, that you should offload, outsource your production to the country that has the best competitive advantage in producing whatever goods and services you're talking about. So if China can make a t-shirt for $2 less than you can make it in the US, then you should ship all of your production to China. This crisis shows why that does not work. That was always a fallacy. It was always a fallacy. That level of production shifting only served to increase the wealth of people who had capital. The companies that were uh, invested in the production processes and their suppliers of capital. So Wall Street and certain firms benefited from this idiotic globalization approach, which we now know uh, it makes absolutely no sense because you run into situations, emergency situations, where you need to produce, in our case it was mass, but in my example, let's say it's t-shirts. Yeah, you, know, you, you come to a situation where you absolutely have to have this stuff, and you no longer have the productive capacity in your geography in order to produce this good. Why not? Because you listen to the uh, economists, mainly white, uh, who told you that globalization was, was good and that you should move production to the lowest cost center. That was always idiotic. This crisis shows that and a number of other factors uh, as being false with respect to economic theory. So we think you're going to see a complete revision, uh, a complete revisiting of economics and economic theory, and we think that's a, a good thing. Now, let's move on to the last two questions uh, that we asked in our survey. Did you apply for the SBA's Economic Disaster Loan Program? So of the firms that responded to our survey, 68% did apply for that funding. Uh, let's see, and I've got to minimize the screen. 13% received uh, EIDL funding, 86% did not. Now, taken together, we see that 19% of the respondents to the survey got some level of Paycheck Protection Program funding, 13% got some level of EIDL program, uh, uh, funding. What this means is this is why Black unemployment, one of the reasons why Black unemployment shot up so, so greatly and unemployment overall shot up so greatly. These programs were supposed to keep the unemployment rates below, let's say, 10%. I think people were hoping that unemployment would go no higher than 10%. We know that unemployment currently, uh, as recorded, is much higher uh, 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 the, the statistics that were released on Friday uh, showed uh, unemployment, you know, at uh, very high levels. The actual unemployment rate is probably overall, for the country overall right now, the actual unemployment rate is probably something like 25% actual unemployment. Uh, for black people, we think the actual unemployment is somewhere in the 40% category and we will come to uh, an analysis of those numbers in our next couple of slides. Now- Hey, Bill, Bill, do you mind if we take a question um, from Kia, or do you wanna wait till the end of your presentation? No, 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 questions are good. Okay, um, Kia, I've unmuted you, go ahead. I think my question is a little late. 
um, because I was going to ask it um, before this particular session started. But it was just really like, what are some actionable steps that people can, you know, start immediately tomorrow? Is it something that people should be doing right away? Um, are there resources or websites um, that we can post in the chat for people who are um, listening to begin to find solutions for their situations? Absolutely. So look on our videos for our video on the EIDL program, how to apply, how to apply for the EIDL program. We did a video where we walked through the application process. Uh, and also, if you're running a business, uh, you certainly should apply, regardless of what the numbers sh show, for the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, that's still a viable option at this point. Uh, that program is close to, well, they, they restocked it and they are uh, taking applications now. So EIDL and Paycheck Protection Program should be the first thing you do to try to get some money uh, in the door. The other uh, program, of course, is the $1,200 uh, uh, grant or payment that the U.S. government committed to providing. We've heard stories of, you know, black people actually getting those payments. So you, th those are three cash flow sources that you can apply to right now, one of which has a 100% probability rate. That's the $1,200. The other two have probability rates in the order of, based on our numbers, 18% uh, and 13%. So, so you can't depend upon those other two, but you definitely, definitely, definitely should be uh, uh, applying to those. That, that's firstly. Fourthly, the other thing that you should be doing right now is caucusing and communicating with your network, your network of people, friends, family, past clients, uh, future clients, everybody, and ask them for money. Ask them for money. This is not the time to be shy about asking for money. So, so uh, what, I, what I like to see, and actually what, what I think my family did, was they did actually form a little uh, loan pool uh, for family members who were in, in specific need, food, you know, um, that's it wasn't very big, but, but it doesn't have to be very big. Uh, so look to your family and trust me, I'm black. I have a black family. I know how complicated it is. All right. Uh, but this is a time to look at, you know, those internal resources that you have. So, so to recap and to shorten this up, you know, the three federal programs, the $1,200 payment, the Paycheck Protection Program, the EIDL program, first and foremost, get those things done. Look on our website, uh, the YouTube page that we have for a video on how to apply uh, to those uh, programs. Um, the other uh, sources for business people now that we like, we like a, a, a website called Lendio, L-E-N-D-I-O uh, dot com. Um, we think they're okay. We still have some issues with all of these guys, but um, Lendio, you know, they reached out to us. We reached out to them. Uh, the people that we talked to were really committed uh, and personally invested and involved 
in trying to get capital to uh, black companies, minority companies, women companies. They seemed like, you know, they seemed like they were uh, really committed uh, and we've had some ongoing uh, dialogue and discussion. So I would encourage you to reach out to those guys. And then finally, 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 PayPal, P-A-Y-P-A-L. Um, they've been doing some really interesting things uh, to try to get capital to people. So those are some immediate steps that you can take. Now, the best of the steps that I mentioned is actually the family one. You know, you could use this crisis to create some, and you're going to need them. You're going to need them down the road. We'll get to that slide a little later, but you're going to need to have family collaboration for Black people if we're going to get through this crisis. And uh, as I mentioned in 2016, when this guy was first elected, things are going to get much worse before they get better. So all of these sources are what's going to be needed. And we will, um, you know, look at minoritifinance.com, creativeinvest.com. We will continue to post our opinion and uh, the resources that we find on our website. This slide that, that you're seeing is the slide again from the talk that we gave at the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, Black Wealth uh, uh, talk in 2019. Um, posted this up just so you could see how much wealth there is in the United States of America. There's a hundred trillion dollars of wealth in the United States of America, 98.3, but a hundred trillion dollars worth of wealth. Now, if you look at this crisis in terms of how this crisis is going to impact that figure, overall, overall, uh, well, actually, let me move to the, to the next slide. This is the slide from that same talk where we went over uh, black wealth relative to white wealth. So you see white median wealth. These numbers are from 2016, but they're close to where we are in 2020. Uh, white wealth, 171,000. Black wealth, $17,600. What this crisis is going to do, white median wealth will fall by about, we think, uh, about 20,000. So you'll have white median wealth go down to about 151,000. Black people, on the other hand, uh, you'll see uh, a median wealth fall by uh, about uh, 7,000. So we think that at the end of the day, at the low point, we think that you'll see black median wealth at about $10,000. And now we'll talk about why that is in the next slide, why we think that is in the next slide, which really, addresses the question of, all right, well, where are we? What are the important factors and what should we do? So let's move on to that slide. This is it. This is the dashboard uh, that uh, uh, we're, we're, we've put up in a lot of cases. I'm going to go through this pretty carefully. So give me a couple of minutes to roll through this. This is the most important slide of the presentation. The top round circular graph kind of shows what the critical issues are for black people. Critical issues ranked in terms of their impact. The moving on, you've got six months left in 2020. We think this shutdown has 19 weeks to go. Now that's not all at the shutdown at the same level, uh, but we think it's going to be 19 weeks before you get back to even close to 
a normal non-shutdown situation, people going to work, people driving, the metro crowded again, uh, uh, that sort of thing. We think it's going to be about 19 weeks. Now, what we've, in, in the bars there, under the round circular thing and the, the timing indicators, we break out the sectors and their impact um, and, and kind of comment on their importance. So let's start at the top, employment. We think, we just said black unemployment was probably at 40%. So we think black unemployment will hit 50% at peak, at the absolute peak of this thing, 50%, maybe even a little higher, 55%. Um, as, as I said in the comment, we think it might trend higher. Now, in terms of overall impact and importance, we rate that at 85%, 100% uh, you know, the absolute most critical, critical thing. So it's pretty important, but it's pretty critical from the standpoint of income generation, cash flow for black families, employment, very, very critical. We were just gaining some uh, attraction uh, in the employment arena. And here's the reason why we think black unemployment might go higher than 50%. Black people are the last hired, first fired. When white people are in economic crisis, the first thing they do is throw black people overboard. It's the first thing they do, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is as big a crisis as we've ever seen in the economic life of the United States of America. So, so what we think you're gonna see, we think you're gonna see just massive firing of black people who just got to the job front to begin with. Uh, the other issue is that if you look at some of the recent gains that blacks made in employment, a lot of them were in restaurants, service industries, that sort of thing. We were just getting a toehold there uh, and uh, now the rug has been pulled out from under us. This is a critical area, a critical, critical area. Uh, moving on, home ownership. We expect black home ownership to fall to 20% again, maybe a little less, maybe a little less than 20% um, after having risen to, you know, 45%, uh, I think it was 48.6% uh, in the years before 2008. So it will come off pretty dramatically. Um, now, our solution is you could have the Federal Reserve help out here to prevent that number from falling much further than 20%. What they would do is, which is something that a product and a process that we outlined in 1992, the way this works is that there are things called mortgage-backed securities issued by organizations like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They were created to provide home mortgage credit. So what the Fed could do is the Fed could engage with Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae to create mortgage-backed securities backed by loans to black homeowners. You know, the banks, mortgage brokers, others go out, make high-quality, legitimate home mortgage loans to black people. Uh, Fannie and Freddie pool those loans together into a mortgage-backed security, and then the Federal Reserve buys those securities. Here's the deal. This is what has saved the white and the Jewish firms on Wall Street. The Federal Reserve has been the institution by purchasing those entity securities and by providing them with cash, they have already bailed out white people. 
They have, and basically rich white people, but white people nonetheless, to the exclusion of bailing out either low-income whites or uh, black people. And Hispanic people don't even think about it. The same thing with Native Americans. So if they wanted to target their efforts to rescue uh, black homeowners, home buyers, uh, they could. They could if they wanted to. But it's going to be tough. Now, in terms of importance, we rate home ownership at 50%. It's not critical. It's not, we've got other things to worry about. Now, moving on, thinking about other things to worry about, what's the most critical factor? Health. Health. Health is the most critical uh, uh, problem that we face. Uh, we know that this particular virus has a high incident in the black community and elevated death rates. Uh, it is, again, the most critical factor. We rate it at 95% importance out of 100, 95 out of 100 in terms of critical importance. This is also the factor that is going to be the most negative. It's going to be the one that uh, if we have a problem, if we get tripped up, it's going to be because of this health issue. And the reason is, once again, take a look at the video that we did for uh, Black Wealth at Congressional Black Caucus, because I talked about that then. I talked about the lack of uh, top-level hospitals and healthcare facilities in Black communities. I also talked about gentrification is what I was talking about in the clip. If, if you view it, and by the way, interns, interns, make sure you view that video. It's about an hour long. I know it's a little long, but please go through it. Uh, you don't have to include it in your write-up, but I do expect you to have uh, listened to the video. The, the issue is this. As we said, if you think about gentrification, some of these poor Black communities and their lack of hospitals right now, if you roll out the tape five years when these entities, when these communities become majority white, you know that they're going to have a hospital uh, uh, in those communities. No hospital when it's majority Black hospital when it's majority white. That is fundamentally unfair. But it's also, it also points to the nature of this economic system that's not an accident. Uh, the lives of uh, a significant percentage of the population are simply undervalued, and the allocation of economic resources matches that undervaluation. So this is what we're fighting against with respect to impact investing. Uh, this is what uh, we think, actually, we think now with this crisis, we think you'll get a lot more attention and a re-evaluation of these economic theories. Hey, Bill, I've got sort of an esoteric question, but it ties in here, so I wanna ask you while, while you're on the subject. Opportunity funds, opportunity zones. You know, given that there's gonna be a you know discounting, especially of commercial real estate, um, you know, how does that transfer of wealth apply here? Have you done any modeling on what that looks like if a bunch of opportunity funds are able to buy, you know, distressed properties coming so out of COVID? Opportunity zones are economic um, empowerment areas that were created by this administration. And basically what you do is you give rich white people uh, the opportunity to take capital gains, gains that they've made on investments and invest in poor black communities. And once they make those investments, if they hold on to the investments for 10 years, they pay no taxes on them. So take your winnings, take your gains 
from the investments that you've made uh, over the past 20 years, take those gains, invest in a poor black community, and don't pay any taxes. So we were always worried about that program accelerating gentrification and being a force for negativity with respect to the black community. Uh, it's on steroids now. Uh, we, we know the, the other thing to keep in mind about that program is that it's a sham. It is part and parcel of this administration's dishonest uh, and damaging uh, approach to the economic lives of black people. You, you'll recall famously- Bill, Bill, can I, can I step in? We've got two minutes left. Okay. Would you mind if I took, uh, if there's any questions for someone that's got to drop off at seven and then we can continue on for a few minutes because I know you haven't wrapped up yet. Uh, so, I'm no, so sorry to interrupt. Is that okay? This is the last slide. So, you know, let's go through this real quickly. Then we can take questions. Small business, uh, not critical, but we certainly think you're going to have high closure rates. Um, the, the positivity here is that black business owners have great survival skills. So the closure rates will be a little lower. That's also an opportunity given the survival skills of black people. Um, you might, using those survival skills, have an opportunity to capture certain economic opportunities as white firms exit. Uh, and then education, lingering impact there. Uh, you have the best opportunity to fix a critical issue, we think, with respect to, with respect to education. The economic impact of education over the long term is the absolute highest. Uh, so you do have an opportunity to uh, enforce a major fix there through creativity. It is not critical, however, over the course of the next uh, uh, couple of weeks, couple of months. So questions. Okay, if anybody has any questions, um, just feel free to unmute your line. Um, I'm gonna um, unmute all oh, lines Brady, because- Brady, this is Charles Steele. Yes, sir. And I'm gonna have to get off in two or three minutes. So Bill, great, great presentation. As always, I enjoy your, your presentation and it's very practical. What I want to ask before I have to go to uh, another a meeting at my office is that uh, it is being uh, predicted that, as you know, HBCUs, uh, historical black colleges and universities, are really on thin ice at this particular time and has been for a while, even with the Pell Grant. Uh, it is being uh, communicated from the academic community that I'm in. Uh, correlation and correspondence with that maybe 50% of our HBCUs, colleges, and universities will not survive in the next year, year and a half to two years. Do you have any, any type of uh, fillers on that? Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, remember, at its most negative, what this crisis will do is wipe out Black institutions across the board, banks, schools, right. businesses. Uh, 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 professions, you know, at its most negative. Now, given that there is money, there, there ostensibly is money that you could direct to those institutions, the $30 billion that was right. allocated for minority depository institutions. Um, once again, what this crisis shows is the exact nature of the 
uh, inability of black people to access resources. So that $30 billion should move to HBCUs. That, that would be the way to take care of that problem. And remember, I talked about how this is the and, best but, opportunity and, and for this. Bill. So that, yes. So what happened was out of the second PPP tranche of funding, there was 30 billion that was allocated to minority depository institutions, small banks, small credit unions, etc. So what I'm suggesting is the black banks okay. should get together, uh, grab about a billion dollars of that and allocate it to HBCUs. Um, part of the issue is, okay. and I That's talked good. about this earlier, the issue, look, I'm, my internet connection is unstable here, so I'm gonna give it a second. Okay, there we go. The issue is black people have been taught over the past 40 years not to be that collaborative, you know? And in a crisis situation where everybody is scrambling for every penny because they're so worried about their ability to survive, uh, the damage that has been done to the black community over the course of the past 40 years will show up again here. It's a bit of a pipe dream on my part to suggest that black banks would have the, 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 the wherewithal, the sense to pool their res they're, they're facing the same issues that everybody is. They, they, they ain't got no money. Uh, the little money that Congress has allocated, the, the white boys are going to grab that and allocate it for their own purposes. And the, the black guys aren't collaborative enough to work together to get their fair share. So uh, we know uh, that's happened, that happened in the 2008 crisis where one black bank came in and grabbed most of the resources that were targeted to black banks. He survived, you know, uh, uh, 10 other black banks did not. It, it's that, it's that, that me, 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 that greed is good attitude uh, that uh, uh, is, is the biggest risk to the black community. 